The name Tim Keller might be familiar with some of you. Tim Keller is a preacher, he's an author, he's a well-known speaker. A few years ago here at Kansas Christian Church, we used one of Tim's books, fabulous book called The Prodigal God for our Wednesday night study. Tim is a fantastic encourager, and in so many ways, he's kind of a pastor to pastors. He encourages those who encourage others. And Tim Keller has been on our hearts and in our prayers lately. Back in June, in, in early June, he announced on his Twitter account that, that he has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And Tim has been very open about his diagnosis and open about his treatments. And he has been consistent in his requests for prayers for him and for his wife, for his family. There's a quote in a book that Tim Keller wrote, a book on prayer, simply called Prayer. There's a quote that I love in that book, and, and Tim actually got this from his wife, but the quote goes like this. Imagine you were diagnosed with such a lethal condition that the doctor told you that you would die within hours unless you took a particular medication, a pill, every night before going to sleep. And imagine that you were told that you could never miss or you would die. Would you forget? Would you not get around to it some nights? No, it, it would be so crucial that you wouldn't forget. You would never miss. Well, if we don't pray together to God, we're not going to make it because of all we're facing. I'm certainly not. We have to pray. We can't let it just slip our minds. I've loved that quote for years. I think about that quote now. I think about it in light of everything we're going through right now with coronavirus and with all the unrest in our country and in our world. I think about it even more in light of what Tim Keller is going through with his health, with his diagnosis, and with the treatments that he's going through, in light of the need that, that he has now for a daily medication and, and treatments, and, and in light of the road that's ahead for him, and in the midst of all of that, I find myself envious of his consistency in his call to prayer, his consistency in his example, and his consistency in being a model for so many of us. We're going to be in Luke chapter 11 today, just verses 1 through 4. If you've got a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to turn there, Luke 11, verses 1 through 4. These words are familiar to us. But the setting is not so familiar. We're much more used to reading these words in the context of the full Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel, in Matthew chapter 6. But it's different here. I mean, one thing you notice immediately is it's shorter. The setting is also different. In Matthew's Gospel, this prayer is given to us as part of the Sermon on the Mount. But here it's the disciples who come to Jesus and they ask him a question. And they say, teach us to pray. Let's look at the passage beginning in verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. 
You know, all through Luke, we've been looking at those that Jesus encounters and those that he engages with. And this prayer isn't all that much different from those words. Hear the request of the disciples, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. They see something different in Jesus's prayers. They, they hear something different in his prayers as they did with John also. It's something that something that they had never been taught before. Their plea isn't simply teach us to pray. Their plea is teach us to encounter God. And what Jesus teaches them here and, and what he teaches us as well is not just a prayer, it's a promise. Our Father invites us to encounter him through prayer. Prayer is an invitation and we need to treat it as such. As we look at Jesus's prayer here, we notice first of all that this prayer is personal. You know, if we go back to Matthew chapter 6 and the Lord's Prayer there, it's there in Matthew chapter 6 verse 7 that Jesus says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. There were other belief systems in Jesus's world, and among those belief systems were those that believed that if you were going to pray to a God, a specific God, that you had to get that God's name exactly right. You had to pronounce it exactly right with the correct intonation, and you had to pray with that God's specific title. And if you didn't, they would refuse to hear you, or they might even reverse your prayer, and they might bring more calamity upon you. Jesus goes on there in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, and says, Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And so Jesus begins His prayer here in Luke chapter 11, simply with the words, Father, hallowed be your name your kingdom come. And you'll notice that the prayer is not addressed to some far distant God, some God who is so far away that he is cold to our problems. He is unfeeling about us. It's addressed to a father, a word that is both intimate and respectful at the same time. Luke chapter 6, back in Jesus' Sermon on the Plain there, the Sermon on the Level Place, it's there in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, where Jesus says, Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. We already know His character. We know that He won't fly off the handle when He hears our request. We know that He won't ignore our plea or He won't demand us to pronounce His name exactly right. We're coming to one who loves us, who, who knows us, and who already shows us mercy. It's not about getting the words all right. It's not about making sure that the prayer sounds good, but boy, we, we do that. I do that. I catch myself doing that all the time. I remember as a young Christian, when I first read Jesus's words in John chapter 14, verse 13, it's there where Jesus promises his disciples, I will do whatever you ask in my name. And suddenly I realized I've been praying wrong because I haven't been saying the words, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And, and right there, I began doing that, knowing that by saying the right words, I was going to get my prayers answered. Ah. Oh. 
And to this day, I continue to do that. You'll hear me say that at the end of every prayer because it just sounds wrong. It's become a tradition. And I know it's a tradition. But that's not what Jesus is teaching here. He's teaching, he's teaching that your Father loves you. And the promise is there that your Father is listening. It's important that we hear that. It's important that we know that the Father is listening because in addition to being personal, this prayer also expresses our dependence upon God. Listen to verse 3. It's a very short verse. Give us each day our daily bread. <laughs> now listen to that very carefully, because the prayer is not, give us each day our daily T-bone. As much as I would love for that prayer to be, give us each day our daily T-bone. It's not. And it's also not, give us our daily bread through the job of my dream with a full health care package and a 401k. That's not the prayer either. It's a call to recognize the Father's grace and His promise to meet our, our most basic needs. It's a prayer of dependence upon him, both, both for the hungry and for those who have plenty. For those who might be in a position to share our bread. This, this prayer, that one verse, verse 3, that, that was a problem for the Roman Empire, by the way. That prayer was a problem for the, for the government. This, believe it or not, this is a subversive prayer. One of the perks of, being, of living in the Roman Empire, one of the perks of being subject to the Roman Empire was a welfare program that fed the poorest of the poor. Specifically, through a, a stipend provided by the emperor of Rome, the poor were promised daily bread. The emperor, who was worshipped as a god, who was even prayed to as a god, the emperor had promised the poorest of the poor that he would provide their daily bread. Huh. But what, does, what does Jesus call us to pray? Not thank you, Rome. Not thank you to the emperor, but rather to seek the Father as our source of blessing. And I want you to hear what this prayer does to us. It calls our attention to the Father. It calls our attention to His blessing. If we're looking for our government to bless us, what will we do? I mean, if it's, if it's the government, if, if we just think it's the government's job to bless us, you know what we're going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to gripe. We're going to complain about that. We're going to scream, it's not fair. That person got more than I got. Or I worked harder and they ended up getting more than I do. But what if our focus is on God? Then it's going to move us to thankfulness towards God. Thankfulness to a God who cares for us, who loves us. It's going to do something else, though. It's going to move us to care for each other. It's going to move us to share our daily bread. Later on, you know, Luke writes this gospel, and then later on he writes a sequel. We call it the book of Acts. And there in the book of Acts, Luke tells the story of the early church. What did it look like when people finally got together and started doing all these things that Jesus taught them? What, if, what happened when they became a community, when they became a church? 
It's there in Luke chapter 2, verse 42, that we read about those early Christians. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. I hope we hear more in the words, the breaking of bread. I hope we hear more than just our little communion cups. I hope we hear more than just that when we hear breaking bread, because it is so much more. It's about sharing. There's a prayer that the church prays in Latin America, a Latin American prayer that the church has. And the prayer goes like this, O God, to those who hunger, give bread. And to those who have bread, give the hunger for justice. In our dependence upon God that we all share, we find an interdependence on one another. That's at the heart of what it means to pray this prayer and at the heart of what it means to be the church, to be devoted to one another. Jesus' disciples asked him to pray, asked him to teach them to pray. And he gave them this prayer. He gave them this prayer that is personal. It expresses our dependence upon God. And this prayer is honest. Verse 4, And forgive our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. One of the things I love when we are able to meet in person here at Kansas Christian Church, one of our little traditions is the first Sunday of every month, we recite the Lord's Prayer together. That's just become one of our traditions in the last few years. It's one that I absolutely adore. We put the words up on the screens so that everybody can recite it together. And yet Sunday after Sunday, month after month, I'll tell you what happens about half of the people in this auditorium will say the words, forgive us our debts, and the other half say, forgive us our trespasses. And I, I stand up here and smile as they're saying, not the words on the screen, but the words that they have, taught, have been taught. And, and I realize it's not that you're attached to those words. <laughs> you're attached to the person who taught you those words. Somewhere in your past, probably when you were very young, somebody taught you that prayer. And you've chosen to repeat those words because they love you and you love them. The words that Jesus teaches us here, it is the language, it is the language of canceling debts. Forgive us our debts. Back, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament, to Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 2. It's way back there in Deuteronomy 15, 2, that the law said, Every creditor shall cancel any loan they have made to a fellow Israelite. They shall not require payment from anyone among their own people because the, time, the Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. The Lord's time for canceling debts has been proclaimed. Our prayer here is based on those words. The prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught us is based on those words. And it also needs to be based on that heart. The realization that I have been forgiven much, but I also have much to forgive others. The prayer acknowledges that I've screwed up it also acknowledges that there are others who have hurt me, and it asks God to recognize our weaknesses as well. 
lead us not into temptation. At the heart of that phrase is the admission, Lord, I am flawed, I am broken, and I want you to know me so well that you know what it is that hurts me, what it is that calls me away from you. You know what it is that can draw my heart away from you so that in those moments you can hold me tighter. If my prayer is, forgive me my sins, then my heart must also be, as I forgive everyone who has sinned against me. That's, that's honest. That can be raw. And it is never, it is never easy. But if I want the Father to know my heart, I have to be willing to know His heart as well. If I want to experience His grace, then I need to show His grace to those who need it so badly. And I have to realize that the prayer, lead me not into temptation, that includes my temptation to not forgive. That includes my temptation to hold a grudge and to hold on to my anger, to hold on to my bitterness and my hurt. It includes my temptation to let my anger define who I am and who I belong to. This prayer that, that Jesus taught us, it, it's short. <laughs> it's only three verses here. It, it's easy to remember. I, I think most of us could remember this prayer. And yet every day, there, <laughs> every day there are new things to complain about. Every day we have new reasons to be angry, to be, to be bitter, new reasons to be hurt. And so I think about those things that make us angry. I think about those things that hurt us, those things that make us bitter. And I have to ask you, I have to ask you the preacher question, the question that all preachers have to ask. Have you prayed about it? Those things that are making you angry right now, those things that are hurting you, those things that maybe are, are making you bitter or even, even anxious, have you prayed about them? Have you prayed about them as much as you've complained about them? Have you prayed about them as much as you've griped about them? In our world today, I have to ask this question, have you prayed about those things that frustrate you as much as you have posted about them on Facebook and other social media? I still also have to ask the question, have you prayed about them as much as you've gossiped about them, as much as you've talked down about them with other people? And you know, if, if you haven't, if you haven't done that, then who are you depending on for your daily bread? How important is your forgiveness to you? And whose kingdom do you really desire to come in a very real way into your life? You belong to your Father. You belong to your Father in heaven. And He invites you to encounter Him through prayer, not just not just to know your requests, not just to know your list, but to know your heart, to know who He calls you to be. You know, too often, too often prayer becomes about our wish list, doesn't it? It becomes about all the things that we want and who we want to see healed and what we want to see happen here and how we want this handled, how we want to be blessed and, and how we want to be protected. The call is to know the Father, to know His heart and to let him know you. Prayer 
is a call to commune with the Father. Prayer is a call to truly be His, to encounter Him as He desires to be encountered, and to encounter Him with the promise that He hears us, He knows us, and He wants us to know Him. This is a call we are so desperate for right now. Because in the midst of all of the turmoil around us, in the midst of all of the problems we're facing, and there's so much confusion, and there's so much anger, and there's so much bitterness, do we take the time to step away from all of that noise? Do we take the time to even step away from all of that noise, to come to our Father just as Jesus taught us to come to Him, and simply find His peace in His presence? In a moment, we're going to take communion. Our bread reminds us of the body broken. The cup reminds us of the blood shed. The cup reminds us that it is the blood of a new covenant, a covenant that links us all together. And so as one of us has a need, maybe even daily bread, the rest of us are there to meet that need. As one of us has a hurt, we are there to, to share that hurt and to help through that hurt. It's a reminder to us that we belong to one another and we all belong to the Father. And that's the gift that Jesus gave us through his sacrifice. Can we find a way to quiet ourselves and simply come to the Father through the way that Jesus has prepared for us, through his sacrifice, through his love for us? Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we praise you, we love you, and we thank you that you are not far off or distant and that you are not unfeeling. And you, you do not ignore our prayers, nor do you ignore our hearts. You have opened up a way for us to approach you. You have given us a way to confidently come into your presence. Lord, I, I pray that my brothers and sisters today would not only know that they are loved, but know the promise that you have for each and every one of us and the promise that we can be for each one of us. Lord, that we can help meet those needs, that we can help ease those pains, and we can help, <laughs> we can help by forgiving one another. We love you. Thank you today for the bread and the, and the cup that remind us of the price of that love, the extent of that love, how far you would go to reach us. Lord, let us never... Uh, let us never forget that. And let us never forget how close you are to us in prayer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And go in peace.